I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection Podcast, where we look at the things that we loved when we were younger and ask the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and with me, as always, of course, I couldn't have my wacky adventures without him. He lives under a rock. He's a great guy. It's Nick Sharmooksness. Nick, hello. God, I knew I was gonna I was gonna be Patrick. I knew it. I could see it a mile away. I mean, you're taller than me, so I think that uh that's why. No, yeah, you know, like now that I'm kind of like 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 a really kind of foggy image in the back of my mind trying to sort of like do that face melt, you know that like filter where you like swap faces with someone like now I'm picturing us like swapped onto the SpongeBob characters. <laughs> that's horrifying. I, 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 I see you, I can see you as SpongeBob a bit. Oh. I can, it's it's there. It's also disturbing. Well, I mean, I can make, would you rather be Squidward? No, I don't really. I, honestly, I guess if I had to identify with anyone, it would probably be Patrick. Okay. Well, Gary, uh, I'm glad that we're all on the same page here and we're bringing in a guest. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she'll want to be Mr. Krabs, Sandy Cheeks, other fish characters whose names we don't know who are just there. Uh, we'll find out all that when I bring on Ariel of Areas of Interest. Ariel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I do identify as Sandy Cheeks. <laughs> all right, great. I'm glad. Well, see, see, Nick, now you have to be Patrick because we got like the trio going. You can, you can be Plankton too. Plankton's oh, always a good character. That's true. That's true. And we both have world domination streaks. So I knew it. And both of your wives are robots. He, he, well, I, I mean, I didn't want to reveal that on the show. Oh, but, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I guess Is that so. Personal information I'm the revealing. The secret's out. Ooh. Well, <laughs> let's quickly move on because uh, Ariel, uh, tell us about areas of interest for people who might not have heard of that show. Yeah, it's a new show that I just started, and it's to help people figure out what major they want to go into when they go either back to college or going for the first time. So I'm interviewing people's stories with um, people that have gotten either a bachelor's or a bachelor's of science degree mm -hmm. in that field. And then they kind of talk about what the process was like, if they recommend that degree, and tips that they would give if they were to do it all over again. Huh. So I'm really hoping it'll help people make a better, more informed decision. That is a great and uh, noble effort. And then we're over here like Thundercats, <laughs> am I right? Uh, so I'm glad. I was going to say, I was like, I, I, after you said, I was like, oh my God, are we making a meaningful impact on the world? Like, Yes. Yes. Because I listen to your podcast when I'm working and it definitely makes my 10 hour shift go by a little bit quicker. Oh, okay. Well. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. See, Nick, we're, we're helping the person who's helping faster as meaningful. Uh, I'm curious, Ariel, is the episode about, uh, like, uh, you know, should you get an English degree? Is it just like three minutes long? And the answer is just like, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, it's actually some of them can be anywhere from like a half hour long to an hour to two hours long, depending on Ooh. how my guests want to talk about their their interest. But um, it covers even vocational 
studies too. So one of my episodes is with somebody who went into special effects makeup. And that's something that you probably could do at a university or a state college. But he actually went to a um, Tom Savini special effects makeup school. So that's so cool. Yeah. So it's it covers everything. And uh, some people, they didn't like their degree and they ended up doing something completely different. And other people absolutely loved it. So it it really gives an honest opinion about it. Oh, that is super great. I encourage people to check it out. I know also we have some like younger, you know, in college or nearing college listeners. So definitely uh, you ones check that out. Make an informed decision. Yeah, could you like go back in time and like talk <laughs> right? to my teenage self? Because so many questions. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nick and I are famously both using our degrees uh, to their fullest extent. And I mean, if you I guys have a degree... ever. Oh, go ahead. If you guys ever want to be on the show, let me know. <laughs> oh. Will do. You can use our degrees to become podcasters, <laughs> maybe. I mean, you know, you never. I mean, mine actually, you know, broadcast journalism does. No, that some works. level transfer over and um, i had psychology so i guess i like i really yeah. get you know deep into the characters <laughs> there we go it's we're like bringing in, you know we're bringing all the different angles and we're yeah. gonna need all those angles for our close examination this week of spongebob squarepants are you ready kids aye aye captain i can't hear you aye aye captain oh this Nickelodeon cartoon that first premiered in 1999 is about the wacky hijinks of SpongeBob SquarePants, a yellow sponge with, you guessed it, square pants, and the other denizens of Bikini Bottom where SpongeBob makes his home. It, in a pineapple under the sea. SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh no, it's already happening. Nick, uh, wait, no, not, no, we're not getting to that part yet. Ariel, you brought this to the show, and I want to know why'd you do it, and what's, uh, what's your history with SpongeBob? I am obsessed with SpongeBob, and that might even be an understatement. I don't have any SpongeBob tattoos, so I haven't gone that far. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, my entire room was SpongeBob SquarePants, and everything that I owned was SpongeBob SquarePants. And even to this day, at 30 years old, I am still quoting the show. So it played a really ri a big part of my humor and my comedy. And the show was just so out there at the time, and a lot of parents kind of were questioning if they should let their kids watch it. Fortunately, I had really awesome parents that let me watch it, but some of the content is questionable, and I just really loved how they played on certain comic devices like irony. Like, SpongeBob is a sponge under the sea, but he is not a sea sponge. He is a kitchen sponge, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, that wacky, wacky kitchen sponge. Oh, there's, yeah. yes, there's plenty uh, to quote because I'm just like you in a lot of ways. Um, I will say, actually, I remember when SpongeBob first premiered. I'm pretty sure it was like after the Super Bowl for some reason. Like my brain is putting that, that might be incorrect. But I remember like the premiere. I remember watching it um, and I don't remember any like strong feelings at the time, but I, I think it took forever after the first episode premiered for like any more to come out. Um, I, I mean, Nick will probably let, let me know if that's true or not, because I'm just trying to pull this out of like vague memory, but I didn't watch it at first when it had come back. Uh, I remember I was in middle school and like people around me were super into it. And I thought like, I don't know if I thought I was like too cool 
to not be into SpongeBob at the time and just kind of brushed it off. And I remember this early days of the internet, I found the Church of SpongeBob like website, which I realize now uh, was a joke, was like being facetious and and just kind of joking around. But being uh, young, I did not quite grasp the the finer points of that. And we're like, oh my goodness, these like this show that I don't even like watch and think that's good. People are like obsessed over. And then, uh, and it actually wasn't until recently that I thought about it again and was like, wait, that was a joke. That was, why was I so upset at those people for this dumb thing they did? Um, I thought people were just taking it way too seriously, I guess. But then in high school, I guess, I think it was probably just a show where Nickelodeon would just be on and an episode would roll on. And I just like slowly as time went on, started watching it and like really enjoying it because it was really, really funny. And, um, like quoted it all the time, had all these quotes in my head as I like even got older, kept kind of coming back to it. And as a few times as an adult, it's been probably five years since I've watched a full episode, um, but have come back a couple of times as like, as I've been in my twenties and, and all that. And there's some quotes that still, I say all the time, um, this is not from one of the episodes that we did, but uh, there's one where SpongeBob and Mr. Krabs think they kill the the health inspector and they're trying to bury the body, but some cops show up. So they have to like go back to the Krabby Patty and they're taking the body with them. And Mr. Krabs tells him to go put it in the freezer. And then SpongeBob comes back up and just says, The dark deed you requested is done, sir. The dark deed you requested has been done, sir, is just like in my vocabulary. I, I say it all the time. Uh, sometimes I'll just say future. Like there's still quotes that are part of my everyday language is what I'm trying to say. Um, but hadn't watched it in a bit. I don't, I, there's a certain point in the show cause it's still going, uh, that I have not watched beyond. I have not seen a lot of the newer stuff and I know there's a lot more new stuff that some people have some issues with, but we're just going to be focusing primarily on the main show. In those early years, um, I would imagine, is where our discussion will stay. But Nick, what about you? Um, yeah, I, uh, I it's weird. Part of me wanted to say that, like, I can I aged out before, like, when SpongeBob came, you know, came around. But then when I realized it came out in 1999, I'm like, that's not true. Um, so I, I never, as far as I recall gravitated towards it uh i definitely remember watching episodes here or there um but i feel like the ones that i watched were much like i i you know maybe i was with uh, a nephew or maybe i was like in my teens or it was on tv somewhere so like i don't remember ever like being like oh i gotta go watch spongebob now or it's on or, or anything like that i just like i knew it existed i knew that it was pretty popular but somehow like skirted around it you know in its heyday and uh, that's actually very curious to me. Um, but overall, yeah, other than knowing about it, I really don't have like a strong affinity for a SpongeBob. So we're coming in two obsessives and one uh, person just kind of aware of it in general. I'm here. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. And Nick, can you tell us the world's history with SpongeBob? Yeah, so SpongeBob is the brainchild of marine biologist Stephen Hillenburg. Uh, after graduating from college in 1984, he joined the Ocean Institute in California, dedicated to educating the public about marine science. Eventually, Hillenburg returned to college for a master's degree in art. His thesis film, uh, 
which I forgot to put the name in, uh, made the rounds at festivals and got the attention of Rocco's Modern Life creator, Joe Murray. Murray offered Hillenburg as a, uh, offered a Hillenburg, a, wow, okay. Murray offered Hillenburg a job as a director and by the fourth season of Rocco's Modern Life was also a producer and creative director. Uh, spurred by Martin Olson, a writer on Rocco, who had read Hillenburg's comic, The Intertidal Zone, uh, Hillenburg went about adapting his ideas into a new animated show. And at this point, there was honestly a ton of nitty gritty detail that I could have included here, uh, which is funny because I often don't have a lot to go on, but it's kind of hard to boil it all down quickly. So all I can really say is that a lot of love and care went into the creation of SpongeBob SquarePants. In the end, the show aired on May 1st, 1999 on the Nickelodeon channel. It was a huge hit, even outpacing Pokemon as the highest rated Saturday morning children's series at the time. It was also a critical darling, winning many accolades as well as four Emmys and a whole bunch of other awards. The show has remained incredibly popular, even though Steven Hillenburg stepped on as showrunner uh, after the 2000, I don't, it was after the 2004 movie. And I think maybe there was like an extra season that he mm-hmm. did, but he stepped on shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Um, though the show has continued uh, to persist. Uh, that being said, Hillenburg had unfortunately passed away in two, uh, in 2018 after a battle uh, battling with neuro. Eight, wow. Okay, hold on. Let me redo this whole sentence. I don't know where that went. Hillenburg unfortunately passed away in 2018 after battling a neurodegenerative disease, but has left quite a legacy. And can I say that Stephen Hillenburg? He was number one. <laughs> he was number one. He was number one. Yeah, I think he actually, I, I think he had ALS and he passed away from his battle with ALS. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember when it happened. I mean, it was like a big deal and it was, I mean, the, you know, the guy's show is still on, but despite whatever SpongeBob has like become, I mean, it was huge the moment that it released and for Nickelodeon, I, I might as, I mean, I don't know if it saved the network, but it's done so much more for them, I think, than like any other show has, you know, to say this was like a colossal phenomenon, um, I think is like to put it kind of lightly, because, you know, SpongeBob is now just Nickelodeon's mascot, and I would say is as easily recognizable as like Mickey Mouse, even just, that's right, I'm saying SpongeBob and Mickey Mouse are on the same level, fight me. I was gonna say, I don't know if I would go that far, but in my heart, that's how far I would go. (laughs) So you don't want to commit to it, but like secretly you're nodding along. Yes, exactly. I would watch SpongeBob over Mickey Mouse any day. Ooh, shots fired. (laughs) To be fair, SpongeBob, not being able to speak to really the quality of the show currently, I know Mickey Mouse is out there. You go to Disney World and all that, but when was the last time there was like a Mickey Mouse show? Um, For all I know, there probably is one on the Disney Kids channel right now, but... There's stuff on. There's new stuff on Disney Plus as well. I think it might. I don't know if it's exclusive to Disney Plus, but yeah, there's some new Mickey cartoons out there. I I, I would still argue though that in terms of not to say that Dis- Disney itself isn't a juggernaut or anything like that, but I feel like even today, I hear more about SpongeBob than I do about Mickey Mouse. Maybe it's just the circles I travel in, but I do <laughs> feel like maybe you guys might be onto something in terms of the clout that old Spongy has. One thing they did, um, I know, you know, Disney notoriously is really harsh about their trademark. Um, and they, you know, they won't let anybody use use the symbols, like use images from Disney stuff that they have not like approved 100%. I mean, you hear it all the time of like, 
oh, you have that painted in a children's hospital? Well, you don't have the rights to it, so you got to, like, paint it over, which from a legal standpoint, whatever. But uh, one thing that, like, SpongeBob did, and part of, like, part of the reason why it's so popular is they were like, yeah, throw them on everything. Like, they were giving out the licensing uh, for it left and right, which is why like 10 million toys and, uh, and lunch boxes and like all this stuff like popped up. So there was just this like wave of SpongeBob, uh, that for all I know is still persisting today. I haven't, I haven't walked down like the, you know, the aisle of, <laughs> of lunch boxes in a long time. Um, but as I have said here, I've noticed my kids, sixth grade kids wearing, um, Rugrats stuff, and they're they're watching Rugrats, so I would bet money that a lot of them are also watching Spongebob. Yeah, I recently went to go clothes shopping, and there was a lot of Rugrats clothing, but like in the adult section. So I think it might just be a fad of like bringing back friends kind of thing. (laughs) I think they're bringing back Rugrats now, so I think it might just be kind of going back to the, the 90s hits. So SpongeBob should be on that list eventually. I think I think they were just kind of waiting for us to get into like our 30s, you know, 90s kids and stuff. Like chances are a handful of them have money now, so we're going to we're going to squeeze that nostalgia for all it's worth. That's for a yeah, long and you, time. You just had Steve from Blues Clues come out and oh. say, "Hey, what's going on, guys?" That, <laughs> and we're just all bawling our eyes that out. That broke me when Steve was like, "I've never forgotten about you." I'm like, "I haven't forgotten about you, Steve." Oh, that was rough. But uh, okay, hold on. I'm getting over it. All right, and we're good. Um, I would, you know, if SpongeBob did that, I'd, that might be a little bit weirder. I don't think I have the same emotional attachment to SpongeBob in that in that way. We were never friends. SpongeBob never asked me to find something in an image that was right behind him. Or has, it wasn't that know? obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's let's get in. We watched some episodes for the show, and uh, man, like I watching it with a critical eye and a little bit, and maybe like now because I'm in my thirties, um, man, this energy is high in this show. Not necessarily in a bad way, but in a way of like I don't know how many of these I can watch in one sitting. I'm <laughs> getting a little winded. Yeah, I, I definitely think there might have been some substances going on in the writing room when they were coming up with these stories. <laughs> well, so interestingly, in- interestingly, based mm. off my my very deep dive, as if I'm an oceanographer mapping the ocean floor of the Wikipedia page. Um, I don't know if that's what oh, oceanographers probably do that. Sure. Anyway, um, apparently in the writing room, it was done a little bit differently that the writing team they didn't really work off of, or I guess I should say the animation team didn't really work off of scripts that the writing team uh, worked on like scenarios and would come up with like a couple of scenarios, maybe a little bit of tidbits and stuff, and then give it to the end. Almost like the, what, what some people might know of like the Marvel method of making comic books mm-hmm. where you kind of write like a couple of paragraphs of like, I think this is what happens. Then you give it to the artist and then they do the 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 the, the major legwork and then the writer comes back around and kind of fills in with, you know, dialogue or what have you. Um, so that's actually, that's pretty different from what I think most writing rooms do, even for cartoons. Yeah, I would wonder how that would work. I mean, there has to be some level because like the animators have to know like what they're going to be saying. Um, but maybe like, maybe the animation team like storyboards the story out beat by beat and then they write in the dialogue from there 
because I'm, I'm just imagining like, okay, we got we got this animated SpongeBob episode. The lips are moving, uh, but there's no dialogue coming out. What might they be saying right here? Like that feels maybe a little tricky to get a cohesive script going for. It's true. Let me let me just elaborate on this then. So. Uh, inst- instead, storylines are wrote by a team of five outline and premise writers. A two-page outline is then assigned to a team of story. It's the storyboard directors. Ah. I guess I shouldn't say animators who produce a complete rough draft of the storyboard. Um, who, apparently, one of the methods used to assemble storyboards was to use post-it notes. Most of the dialogue and jokes are added during this stage. Um, and apparently, according to Luke Brookshire, Brookshire, Brookshire. Uh, has liking this process to how cartoons were made back in the early days of animation. So. Yeah, that's kind of how I understood it when you first said that is the storyboard kind of comes up with the concept right. art and and what's going to what the jokes are and then they come back to the animators and say, "Okay, now we have the script. Go ahead and animate everything." But mm-hmm. I would imagine it's like a very rough sketch right. uh in the storyboard room. I I love that idea of like, "Okay, what's this episode about?" Okay, they're going to deliver a pizza. <laughs> And that's like, that's the starting point. Like, and then everything that evolved out of there is an episode with, gosh, the moment when they find the boulder is one of the most iconic SpongeBob moments ever. And I still get like so delighted. He's like, it's not just a boulder. It's a rock. It's not just a boulder. It's a rock. And he climbs on it. And he's like, the pioneers used to ride these bad boys for miles. That is such an amazing joke. And then he does drive it, yes. which he's he's total crap at driving a boat, but he can but drive he can, a rock. He can drive a boulder. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was good. I, I was surprised. Like I said, I, I, I unlike you two, I, I really didn't have an affinity for SpongeBob. I, I can't I can't say that it, I can recall like any particular moments from whatever episodes I may have watched over the years. But like, so I was, I, I felt a bit fresh kind of coming into it. And I was, I, I uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll watch TV shows while I'm washing dishes. Um, I don't know why, it's just what I do. Um, so, but I was like, you know, washing and just chuckling along like, and actually holding a square sponge uh, now that I think about it. So there's some synergy there. Um, but like, yeah, actually like genuinely, I, I know it's a kid's show, but SpongeBob is a great example of a show that I think uh, goes across generations and there's something there. Like, you know, I think they, there's like a, one of them had like a gag about taxes or something in one of the episodes, you know, which like kids probably wouldn't care about at all. But like, I appreciate it as a tax paying adult. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually was pleasantly surprised by the humor. I think there's. Did a... you find it funny? Did I find it funny? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, at least in the episodes we watched, I, I don't, I never, I never like, you know, boiled over laughing or whatever. Boiled over laughing is not a phrase. Yeah, that's a Doubled answer. over laughing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but I did like, I would definitely chuckle and like be su- like sort of like surprised by an antic or whatever. Like, oh, they did that. Um, and and just yeah, I don't know. I uh, hard to boil it. Though I keep saying boil down, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I did. I did in fact find it enjoyable. Uh, I will say though, uh, the, the episode with, um, 
why am I blank? Sandy, the squirrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's hibernating. We watched the episode where she's hibernating and, and SpongeBob and Patrick, uh, they, th- though, are warned ahead of time not to enter her, her, her habitat mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. Um, they still go in. She's hibernating. She's uh, has gotten quite large from, you know, preparing for said hibernation. Um, and there were a lot of funny gags, but I also felt kind of bad. And this is like totally the adult and like guy with hypothetical, you know, future kids or whatever. Like I thought just the way that SpongeBob and, and Patrick like totally disregarded Sandy's wishes was like kind of mean. Um, I don't know if anyone else got that vibe from watching the episode. Yeah, they're specifically sometimes mean to her. There was another episode where they make fun of her mm-hmm. and they pretty much call her stupid. Like they call her a stupid squirrel. So it's kind of an ongoing thing. But Sandy is always the the strongest character mm-hmm. in the show. And so uh, I I didn't really like that episode in terms of like them skinning her because I think that might like, be that problematic was... for kids to see, you know? Yeah, that was a bit weird. Yeah, I would have picked a different. I probably would have picked the when she's missing Texas as like a different episode to watch mm-hmm. to get her backstory. But I don't. I don't know why I picked that one. I think um, when uh, I was going through them, I was like, I remember that being a funny show. And then uh, when I watched it, I was like, Oh, this this not no. <laughs> I should have picked a different one. No, I mean it was good in terms of like you know we're see there were some some good picks in this one in terms of just sort of seeing where the humor. You know, and as a kid, like, I'm sure I could have watched that and, like, not really thought of it, right? But it's still that sort of, the sort of unconscious messaging that it can kind of leave behind afterwards that I thought was, mm-hmm. could be problematic. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the hyper-reality of of this show, uh, where it's like, oh, these are supposed to be, like, creatures living in the sea, but they're like walking around and have electricity and cars and uh, all this, you know, just like wacky weird stuff. But then we see like these things happen where it's this world where everybody is constantly, you know, busting through walls and breaking down, uh, breaking down buildings and like getting hurt to the point where they would definitely be dead. And yet there's still that like adult part of our brain that's like, hey, she she told you not to go in there. Huh? Right. Guys, let's not do that. Right. Yeah. She's respect her, respect her hibernation. I just think it's funny. Cause like I, I felt kind of the same way watching it. And it's just funny. Like those ways that our brains work, even with this world where they are, he's a talking kitchen sponge living in a pineapple under the ocean. I draw a line at just about a little bit after that. Yeah. A little bit after trespassing. That's <laughs> if it goes any further than that. Ooh. I mean, they, then you you must be outraged what they are constantly doing to Squidward. You, you know, uh, I mean, Squidward can definitely be a, a, a dick in his own right, um, but he does get mistreated a lot by the by the show. Um, though I, I was watching the um, the conch <laughs> where they no. um, they they get lost or something, they, or they, it's club club SpongeBob, yeah, and the, they get lost and they're there and the all knowing um, conch. SpongeBob or not, Squidward like refuses to partake in this obviously ludicrous, you know, worship of the conch, you know, um, and I think it's that like SpongeBob, you know, was designed around sort of being this sort of naive, like sort of innocent, wide-eyed child, uh, and Patrick is Patrick, um, but like there, there is 
there is sort of that dark side where like they i can't believe i'm like trying to make spongebob this like really like serious discussion here but like they're obviously in this this pretty intense dramatic and and, and traumatic situation and spongebob and patrick are just totally glazing over any legitimate concerns that squidward has i'm not fun i should not go to parties <laughs> you're, you're like the guy like at the party where like people are like oh yeah i used to love spongebob and you're like huh well have you ever thought about the fact that squidward's just living his life and you're like everyone's like okay man we're just talking about the the fun cartoon have you ever thought about plankton being in an abusive relationship with his computer wife <laughs> Uh, I shouldn't have laughed like that. That was way too... (laughs) Jeez. But no, but yes. So did you guys watch the episode Chocolate with Nuts? Because that was my favorite one out of the list that I gave you. That that was good. That was the first one I I think on the list that I watched. And it it was definitely a great intro into the whole thing. Chocolate. I mean, I yell that all the time. And then another bit from that I quote is the because there's that grifter who's trying to get their chocolate, and he's like he's he's posing. He's as, just screaming chocolate the whole time. Well, no, no, not that guy. The guy that like they go to his house and he's like every night my legs break. Every, mm, every morning my yeah. legs break and my arms are broken by dinner and then I lay in bed until heart attacks put me to sleep. Every morning I break my legs, and every afternoon I break my arms. At night, I lie awake in agony until my heart attacks put me to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was rough. I didn't, I, I didn't, do... it did not occur to me that it was the salesperson until after the big reveal. Sorry, yeah. what were you going to say, Ariel? I do like the, the old lady and he's like, is your mother home? And then she gets her mom and it's just <laughs> it like, like a, a skull worm. with a yeah. vertebrae. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what? Oh, <laughs> terrifying. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, I think that. They make an appearance in other episodes too. I think so, yeah. They're I like an ongoing right. thing. I, I'm glad to hear that. Well, and that's yeah. One... And then my my second favorite is the the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy because I watched Batman growing up with uh, Adam West, and so mm-hmm. it kind of brought me back to an even further nostalgia with that. Well, and I love too that they didn't play at the angle of oh they were actors who played that that role. And, you know, Spongebob and Patrick can't tell the difference. They're just harassing these two old guys, which they're still harassing these two old guys. Uh, But it's actually a world where they were superheroes. And now, like, their show was like a documentary, I guess. And, like, now they're just retired, living in this retirement home. Uh, Mm -hmm. I thought that's, like, a really great take on that. Because you see that idea before, right, of, like, oh... You know, they live right over there, and then you're nothing like the hero, which is like, no, uh, Mermaid Man is just an old senile guy who yells evil, and it's uh, delightful. It was yeah, and everything they do, like when they sit down, it has like that call-out comic, pow, yeah. pow, <laughs> sit. That was great. I was going to ask Nick, because I, I mean, I know you're also, we're all Batman fans here. We've watched the old... Uh, old show do you appreciate that that send up so interestingly i've other than like clips i've never actually watched the adam west um uh what was it burt ward as robin i never mm-hmm. actually watched that show that being said i know of it you know i get the references and stuff uh and i and i was while i was watching that episode like i like when like non-superhero related things like find like a way to insert some of those tropes and stuff um and uh 
yeah no i also thought the way that i i I had like put it on and like i looked i was like typing up the i was still watching it when i was writing up the uh the the history and like i looked back um when spongebob and patrick were dressed up as um uh, mermaid man uh, which is an amazing name uh and barnacle boy and it was a bit horrified (laughs) by the look um but yeah no i thought it was great my husband and I are going to go as Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy for uh, Halloween this year. Oh, I was Amazing. just thinking like, oh, my girlfriend might like it if I suggest we do that for Halloween. So I get it. I'm on that same wavelength. Yeah, we, we also went as Sandy Cheeks and Squidward one year. Oh, that's great. That's fun. Yeah. I, I, I almost want I want to see Squidward especially. I feel like Sandy, I don't know, was it difficult to catch? Were you in like a space suit or whatever? Or... Yeah, I got like a jumpsuit and then I got like this hyper realistic squirrel mask and then was carrying around like a helmet. And then I and then yeah, and then my husband uh he did the Squidward one where he wore like a green kind of uh like jumpsuit or the mm-hmm. the skin tight ones. I don't know what they're called. Um and then he got like this gnarly Cthulhu mask. So we went it wasn't cute. It was more like <laughs> scary versions of the characters. I am the cosmic squirrel, and this is this is the darkness that slumbers beneath the waves. Yeah, exactly. We go exactly. by Sandy and Squidward. It definitely the costumes definitely need more, but we were trying to do the best that we could. Now, now I'm into the idea of this eldritch horror SpongeBob. SpongeBob meets yeah. Bloodborne. Meets what? Meets Bloodborne. No, oh, your obsession with Bloodborne. I I've I've brought it up like once, like five episodes ago. Well, on the show, I'm talking about in everyday life. Every day, you're texting me. It's Bloodborne, Bloodborne, Bloodborne. Well, yeah. You just text me Bloodborne three times every day. <laughs> exactly that. Is, um, is the message getting through to you yet? <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to say. It's all you, you really like have to think about it and like kind of dig deep on your own and maybe watch some YouTube, uh, you <laughs> okay. know, lore videos to really, really get, get it. Yeah, it's gonna get real <laughs> conspiracy up in here. Um, no, but so I will say though, uh, based on the description of your costume, I think it's perfect because I like the moment. I and I think I actually recall I some of the SpongeBob episodes that I must have seen when I was younger. Um, anytime that they would like insert real things or like when they would go to the surface it wasn't in the episodes we watched but like they'd go to the, i think there was an episode once where like spongebob and patrick go to the surface and they're just like an actual starfish and sponge on like sticks. a dried out starfish, starfish. yeah in right. a dry sponge that's, yeah. that's <laughs> one of my favorite gags still it's great yeah um and the one where they find the pencil and they create the the terrifying drawing oh Franken doodle or i think it's like doodle bob yeah something like that um yeah i love that kind of like bit of meta humor to it um but i was gonna mention the animation like we were talking about like oh some like horrors but there are times where like the animation it it's so interesting to see this show that started in the 90s and obviously has some very 90s influences i think in places like the animation to like still going now, which is like a totally different era of the way that animation looks, but just some of like the, the faces that SpongeBob and Patrick would do while they were like doing their antics were really Mm -hmm. kind of like terrifying. Uh, And then of course there's Pat back, which will now (laughs) (laughs) forever live in my brain. Uh, Well, also I feel like another thing that they kind of 
paved the way for is like zooming in on something and having it very detailed, detailed. whereas the rest mm. of the cartoon is not very detailed. Mm-hmm. So like when they zoomed in on Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, like they had like liver spots and their skin was all wrinkly and it just kind of gives emphasis to certain parts of mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, in the 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 conch episode, you know, they they kind of look normal. I mean, Squidward starts to get like a a, a stubble and stuff like that. Um, but when the I don't know what he was, Park Ranger or what, or whatever shows up, like and sees them for the first time, when it, they go from like his reaction to like the SpongeBob and Patrick and and Squidward, and they just look horrible all of a sudden. There's like flies flying around them, and <laughs> yes. they're grimy. <laughs> oh that's so good oh and then the park ranger is also part of the conch club the conch club <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then his face is really dumb too and what he is... says you mean like this? this and he pulls out his conch and then he's doing that <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks ridiculous you mean like this oh. yeah so my family and i we still like quote spongebob it's a big part of our family and mm-hmm. we just constantly, I would have to say, I probably reference SpongeBob once a week. I know it's a little obsessive, but it is a huge part of my my humor. And it's a very specific humor, but I feel it's not very uncommon for a certain group age in the millennial generation. Oh, mm-hmm. No, definitely not. I know a lot of people that if I, if I made certain jokes around... Um, or I even just like feel confident if I'm around like a group of people kind of around our age. If I make uh, a, one of the more known SpongeBob jokes, like somebody's probably going to get it. I mean, it's it's something for me even where I was in a thrift store recently and I've been like had this urge to like get stuff from a thrift store and repurpose it in some way. And there was just like a, a like a knickknack. There was just like a pineapple. It's uh but it's like the bottom of it's flat so it can like lay flat and it's just this yellow pineapple with the green top. And I'm like, I can spray paint that and get some like modeling stuff and uh, modeling clay and like paint that. And I can make that into SpongeBob's house. And that is like my mission for this, um, for this pineapple to then like maybe put on my desk at school or I don't know, in the background for when I'm, I'm streaming stuff. Um, but just like, it's a part of me enough that I saw a pineapple and the first thing I associated with pineapple was SpongeBob. Yeah. Yeah. I had like a a fish tank growing up and we had like the little um, like pineapple at the bottom of the fish tank. And it it was just kind of cool to have it as a background accessory. Yeah. I think like all fish tanks now just come with that standard. (laughs) It just comes (laughs) with a kit. Yeah, it's like here's uh, and here's the rocks you need at the bottom, and here's your little pineapple, SpongeBob's. You were gonna buy it anyway, so just take it. I I honestly like I was just about to I was trying to I was trying to think of my next like question or or something like that, um, but then my mind went blank while I was trying to think about it. Um, I think the SpongeBob well, might have dumped you down just a little bit after watching oh five episodes. Oh yeah, five is a lot to watch at once. And like, I'm saying this as somebody who, you know, has watched a lot of SpongeBob, but this might actually explain a lot now that I'm thinking about it. One weird. Oh, I meant to mention this in my history. This is a weird thing. Um, there was there's an episode where Plankton has like a uh, just like a what if situation. I think he's just like having a dream but he dreams that he's at the Krusty Krab 
and Pearl's his daughter, and like he's living Mr. Krabs' life, uh, and Mr. Krabs comes in as the Plankton character, but he's nude, and they're shooting. They they shoot at him with the clothing gun, and they always get him like with the bra. Um, and that that is like that was a, a episode, and specifically kind of like that moment. I remember my girlfriend uh, Sarah, that Nick I met on the same message boards that you and I met on. Um, anytime her and I were together, I was like my first girlfriend. I was secretly sour, by the way. No, like, you weren't. I was, was in this. You are not even close to the same I, heights. I, I hired an actor, and it, it was a whole. Yeah, you were not even anyway. Uh, <laughs> when uh, we were together, like my my freshman year of high school, and whenever we got together, we would turn on if we turned on the TV and we turned on to SpongeBob, that episode was playing. It was really weird. Hmm. I don't. I honestly don't remember that episode. You don't remember that? It one? wasn't one. No, it, it's not one. I do remember. I think Plankton started getting hella stressed out from working at the Krusty Krab, and he started realizing that. Yeah. Mr. Krabs' life isn't what he thought it was, but I don't remember the part where they're shooting at him with the bra gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like various clothing, but the one that sticks on to him is... Is always the, is bra. the bra. Yeah, not that it would change from episode... Like, not, ooh, what's it going to be this time? Maybe it'll be some pants. So, David, I have a question for you then, uh, since you kind of grew up with SpongeBob. How long did it take you to realize that the Krusty Krab is a crab trap? Um... Right now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> Actually, that's <laughs> why that shape is so familiar. <laughs> I have never been crabbing with a crab trap. So growing up, I had no point of reference and somebody brought it up. And it, it just makes sense that it would be a crab trap. But it just never dawned on me. I mean, th that's a lot of the great, like their cars are boats, you know, like all these like little visual things. Yeah. Uh, are just are really great. I also remember the episode. Oh, with the hooks. There's like there's some really dark humor in SpongeBob. Oh yeah, definitely. And again, I think that's why. Like going back to like you know SpongeBob versus Mickey Mouse. SpongeBob really pushed the envelope on like going across the line of maybe this is okay for kids. Whereas Disney plays it very safe. Mm -hmm. And so you with with SpongeBob, you kind of get thrown for a loop sometimes and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they they went that dark, you know. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's why I liked it, too, because I was into dark comedy growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this was around the time where, like, I was like getting more, you know, I was feeling <laughs> more conceitedly mature about my, and by conceitedly mature, I mean like watching stuff like Invader Zim, but Invader Zim is like weird and, you know, like Ren and Stimpy and the stuff that's just like really weird and strange. And I think when SpongeBob first came on, I first thought like, oh, it's like, it's a kid's show. It's bright and colorful and, and ridiculous. Kid's show, he said it. I know. I, okay, I'm I'm discussing the irony of all of this, but just like I dismissed it as being this like bright and colorful thing, where I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm into like the weird and experimental stuff. And then like watching it later on and seeing just these like strange jokes and some of the weird animation and those like hyper close ups, and being like, oh no, there's so much more here uh, than I thought there was, and it's great. And it's like something that's persisted that is like continued to be funny into like my adulthood, not, you know, like we watched, we've watched some stuff on here for sure. That's like, Oh yeah, I get why I like that as a kid and watching SpongeBob. I'm like, I get why I still quote this as an adult. So I should say maybe more for you guys. Um, y'all, 
Um, so I, I so Hillenburg left. You know, relative. I mean, the show's been going on for like thirteen seasons or something like that since mm-hmm. nineteen ninety nine. Uh, oh, and sorry, Dave, I never corrected or or added mentioned this because you you had asked. The first episode aired in May, but the second episode aired in July. So there was like a two month delay between okay. two, the two the first two. Episodes. Oh, between the pilot and yeah, between, having it yeah. come on. Okay. Um, but um, post Hillenburg, uh, and I mean certainly, I guess well, it's only been uh, like three or four years, but um, how is the later SpongeBob? I, where he's not as much of a creative force. I couldn't really tell you. T- I'm sure I watched probably a couple seasons beyond when he left. Um, but just after, a, there's just episodes after a certain point that I haven't even ever seen. Yeah, I, was, I watched the the movies that came out, and I think you mentioned that was kind of close to when he took a step back mm-hmm. from the project. Mm-hmm. And after that, I think I was just at an age in my adulthood where I just wasn't watching spongebob that much anymore i was usually watching adult swim at the time and i sometimes i'll see the episodes on but i think i don't really like the animation nowadays versus when it first came out because uh everything is so polished with animation nowadays Mm -hmm. and i don't really like it It's it's a nostalgic thing for me to have things that are more crudely drawn versus Mm -hmm. things that are uh done on like an animation uh rendering Mm -hmm. yeah and i think there's something too about like the fact that we had it in this one style and then now it's kind of like the simpsons in the same way where like i can't deny that the simpsons don't look like the simpsons but the animation now is like so crisp where if i watch some of these old episodes like especially on like modern tvs and stuff if i pause it at the right place i can see where they overdrew the color on a line a little bit or like things look a little bit weird because this is all like done by hand versus now. And I don't fully know how like, I know there's still a lot of like drawing elements to it, but it's not done on paper anymore. And it's just, it's, it's so much sleeker and that's not necessarily, I would say like a bad thing, but it's just so different from what it had started out with, which had all this charm of being a little rough around the edges. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm looking at pictures right now of like when it first aired and in 2014, and he gets more square <laughs> as time progresses. He's it's kind of strange. He's getting shorter? No, he's just getting more like his, his angles are more equally square. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> Weird. That's what, the, that's what people want. They've been, they've been demanding that he be more square. Yeah, and also uh, there, there's been like this this recent uh, within the last couple of years of SpongeBob being a meme, where he's oh, making yeah. this kind of derpy face, oh, the and it meme. looks nothing like him, and people kind of use it to poke fun at other people, like mocking them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that might be a more recent episode, but I I haven't seen that episode. But again, it's like even nowadays, like people are still referencing it very frequently. Yeah, I mm-hmm. see the um, the uh, the meme from the episode where the, where uh, Patrick and SpongeBob are parents for a lost clam they found, and Patrick's like the the detached father who's like always at work or sitting on the couch, and SpongeBob is the overworked housewife like playing with some of those tropes, 
and uh, SpongeBob's showing him where all the diapers are. And it's like this increasing thing of like, well, there's a couple over here, but there's a bunch right here. And then like they're on the wall and it ends with here. There's a giant mountain of it outside of our house. That's bigger than the house. And I still see that meme all the time of like escalating, like those escalating ideas of people being like, it's not that, you know, not that popular, not that prevalent and showing like, here it is at all these places, all this to say, like he has become very memeable. Uh, and I think that's, helped a bit probably in keeping the character like around because we keep thinking about spongebob because and also that super bowl thing when hill and brand died if people wanted sweet victory to be played at the super bowl mm-hmm. yeah then, that was a great episode too that is <laughs> oh no didn't they hot. have didn't they have like one of the guys from the scorpions come in and do the vocals for that i don't remember who Something they got like yeah uh, there's some good Mayonnaise is not an instrument. Uh, oh no, he's hot. I just now I'm just like starting to quote all my favorite bits. Right, it starts coming back all at once. Like when I was trying to pick these up, ep- the one of the hardest things was picking just five episodes of SpongeBob to have you guys watch. And oh. when I told my husband that I was doing this uh, show, he started like coming up. He's like, "Oh yeah, remember that time that SpongeBob did this and that episode where he did that?" And th- I it was so hard to pick. It, it honestly was. I started with 20 and had to like narrow it down to five. I was very curious to see what you were going to pick because I would have that same issue of there's so many episodes that I know have great bits, but if I'm just showing somebody a few episodes, like which ones am I going to show? Yeah. And the ones I, I shared with you guys weren't necessarily ones that I are my favorite. It just kind of gives you an idea of the animation style and the humor and the different characters mm-hmm. and the the variety of humor that the show has, you know, all the way from making fun of a, you know, 1950s style, you know, Batman show to, you know, making fun of squirrels hibernating and turning into monsters. So. Yeah, it's uh, surprisingly, the show has a lot of range. It does. Well, before we get to our final thoughts, is there anything we haven't talked about that anybody wants to bring up? I think I'm good. Sponges are cool. Sponges are cool. Well, this is the part of the show now where we give our final thoughts. Is this a show worth revisiting today, or does it stay in the Hall of Memory? I know uh, Ariel and myself have been gushing over the show still, but I think I, I have some nuanced thoughts that I'm I'm looking to share. But first, Ariel, what do you think having uh, having watched SpongeBob for the show today? I would have to say I enjoyed it just as much watching those episodes today that I did when I was a kid. And I think if I showed that to you know uh, if I had kids, if I showed that to them, they would also find it funny. So I think it holds up over time. Oh, right, Nick. This I know you were not as uh, into the world of SpongeBob when it was on, but looking at it today, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it's um, it was it was definitely from what I watched. It was an entertaining show. The animation, especially for because we watched episodes roughly within the first three seasons, like even within the first season, was really really strong. So that's definitely held up. Um, and the the gags were funny. There was something there for everyone. I know for a fact that some of my nieces and nephews are or were into SpongeBob at various points in their development. So it's definitely it's still relevant today. It's 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 obviously a huge boom for Nickelodeon. Like I would be curious to revisit SpongeBob like twenty years from now 
uh, and, and see maybe where it's, I mean, I imagine that it would still hold up 20 years from now. Right. But like, will it still be as big a part of sort of a pop culture landscape as it, as I would probably argue it, it is today, especially based on you know, y'all's reaction uh, to it. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely still has a lot of staying power. And again, as, because it has a little bit of something for everyone, even adults can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is the first show we've done where it's still currently on air. Like, I know Power Rangers is still on, but it's not Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Like, this is the first one that is still running. Only 13 seasons. It's been 20. Anyway, not important. I mean, I agree. The show is still funny. I still was laughing at it. I still quote it. Um, I think that it's changed a little bit for me, though, where I don't think I'm going to sit down and put on you know, four episodes of SpongeBob and just watch those like in a row and then like go about, you know, go about my day um, with kind of how limited my time is when I'm actually sitting down to like watch a show. I want stuff with a little bit more like story to it. That's just like where I'm at, you know, kind of in my life. And so I still watch and love Adventure Time. I'm watching that again, um, another like animated show, but that one, you know, because it has this kind of ongoing plot I guess it feels like a little bit different in the way that I'm engaging with it where I love this, but it's just like when it goes through, I'm like, ah, oh, man, okay, but I've got like 10 other things I got to go do. Um, so this is a show that I think like I would pop on an episode every once in a while still. It would be like a little bit of a treat for me. It's like watching a whole bunch today. Again, I really enjoyed it, but also was a little exhausted by the end. Um, but I think it's still something you can very easily watch. You know, go find it. They're all on, uh, not all, but the first six seasons, which is really all you need, are on Amazon Prime. So just go, like, find an episode you remember, throw it on, and uh, have a great time. I think it's coming from all three of us. It's worth visiting still today. Listening audience, and we, I, oh, go ahead. I wanted to share, too, that SpongeBob is best enjoyed with people that you yes. enjoy being around. I, I think consuming it by yourself might be a little overwhelming, but having somebody to watch it with you is really key. Yeah, it's really fun. If you're just like having like oh, people just hanging out, you know, hanging out over, you know, no real big plans, just put on some SpongeBob. It'll be a fun time. Listening audience, we want to know what you think, of course. Hit me one more time.com slash contact. All the ways to contact us. We want to hear your thoughts on SpongeBob. We're very curious. Ariel, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun, and I'm still going to listen to the show on my route. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I, thank you. Where can uh, people find you, should you wish to be found? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Areas O Interest. And you can find me on Instagram at areas of interest. And you can email me if you want to get in touch at areas of interest pod at gmail.com. Check it out, people. Nick, thanks for being here. David, thank you for having me. You're welcome. I mean, you were gone <laughs> last episode, so you know it's good, good to have you back. Where can people find you and, and your art? And they bearing the lead uh or not what's that why do you use that phrase doesn't matter anyway you can find me on instagram at palblam shazam underscore art or on twitter at palblam shazam and if people want to find me it's davluz d-a-v-l-u-z twitter and instagram find me there listening audience thank you so much for being here today we do this show for you we do this show because of you remember you can't move forward if you're always looking back we'll see you next time hey!